What's up? What's up? Welcome to this week's episode of All Over VoiceOver with Kiff VH, and I am your host, Kiff Vandenhuvel. This week, All Over VoiceOver is being brought to you in part by Bookable Voice Coaching and Demos. They provide one-on-one coaching, demo production, workshops, and VO workouts. Uh, by the workouts, VO workouts. And... Uh, what they do is truly amazing. And um, so they, they can give you uh, the, the jumpstart your VO career needs and the tune-up it needs as well. So check out www.bookablevo.com and sign up to receive updates and get more info on how they can help you grow. Bookable voice demos and coaching. Thank you so much for your support, you guys. And thank you to tuning in. And thank you to my amazing guests who are in studio today, Sissy Jones and Rich Summer. Thank you so much for coming in, you guys. Thanks for having thank us. Thanks for having us. You guys, uh, I, I mean... Sissy, I've known you for off and on for about off and on. We've known each other off and on. <laughs> we have. No. We've been friends and then not friends. It's an off on friendship. And then friends. Friends again, not friends again. <laughs> it's like when Harry met Sally. It's exactly it. We yeah. we come together, hang out, and then we completely sever right. ties. No restaurant scene though. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I sat at that table. I was just in New York for three months and I sat at I, my dad came to town and we sat at the table, got the picture under the thing. It's with little, your dad? Yeah, a little weird having I now that I'm saying it out loud. <laughs> Uh, sitting there with my dad, but went to the Katz's and sat at the tables. It's Katz's, is Katz's it? delicatessen. Yeah. Wow, fancy! Yeah. Oh, that's great. And how long were you? How long you were were you in New York for? I was uh, three months to the day. Actually, I got there January fourth, and I left April fourth. Wow! And you were doing Buried Child, yeah? Yes, yeah. That that laugh riot. <laughs> Buried had you had child. you done Sam Shepard before? Or was it I first did time? a Sam Shepard play once in grad school. I did uh, Lie of the Mind, mm. um, but uh, other he you know oddly he uh, when he was with Jessica Lang they moved to my hometown in Minnesota uh, when I was growing up. So I used to see Sam and Jessica around downtown. He was the first playwright that I ever had sort of a, a cognizance of outside of you know being handed his his plays in school. Sure. Uh, so. Uh, I, I have read Sam Shepard over the years, have always wanted to do Sam Shepard. And the one we did in grad school was fine, except it was, you know, 25-year-olds right. playing 60. Uh, so this was age-appropriate <laughs> right. casting. Totally um, a more fulfilling experience, I think. I believe it. It's nice to finally grow out of, like, when you're in your 20s doing the college plays. Like, I remember doing Streetcar Named Desire at my Christian liberal arts college in Grand Rapids, Michigan, with a bunch of other covenant youths trying to tackle these issues. And you just have no concept <laughs> or life experience to draw from. I was uh, Tevia, the, uh, my senior year <laughs> of college, <laughs> age 22. Uh, I auditioned to be Tevia's wife in my high school. Did you didn't get, get to it. be Golda. Did not get to be Golda. Golda. We could have we could have really done something <laughs> in our early 20s. The sexual chemistry <laughs> right. of this couple that married together for 50 and years. And now they're miserable. Tradition. <laughs> oh, that's Yeah, marvelous. we know a lot about tradition. <laughs> that's right. About having five daughters. Sure. Yeah. Matchmakers. And whatnot. Mm-hmm. The importance of marriage. Do you what's what's your what's do you do you have a theater background or a lot of theater no. experience? Really? I um I was Julius Caesar when I was twelve years old, but it's only because I had a deeper voice than all the guys. <laughs> um, and I remember telling my dad I wanted to be an actress when I was like six, and he was like, "No, no, no, mm. no, no." Uh, so I actually have a business degree and a Spanish degree. No kidding. So I worked in the Silicon Valley for about ten years before I made the switch. Were really? You- yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. No kidding. Where are you from originally? Boise, Idaho. Oh, that's right. But yes. Boise, we were just discussing Boise. Booming metropolis. Now, you you really hit that s in Boise. Yes, is because it? 
If you're a local, you say Boise. Okay. If you are an outsider, you say Boise. With a Z. Now, Boise. Should we, we should be cool and say Boise. Totally. From now on, right. we'll say Boise. Unless you want it's people like, to go, ugh, what are it's you, like Californians? Oregon. Ugh. Yeah, right. I, I know about, <laughs> about there's Sherry, my wife worked there, talks about this Coke and wine. Oh, yeah. That the, is it the bath people? Is, <laughs> wait, what is wait, the name? Wait, wait, wait. The bath people. Sorry. <laughs> the, bath. the bath people. You know, from the baths. Because well, nobody else bathes. Um, right. Really just... I just referenced something uh, that doesn't exist. The bath is people. it possible? I'm going to smile and nod and go, uh-huh. <laughs> sure. So you've never heard of Coca-Cola and wine. You've never heard of Coca-Cola and wine. I drank Coca-Cola and wine when I lived in Spain, but that's a different story. Okay. But there, that that was what I had heard, that, that Spanish people in oh, particular. The Basques. The, the Basques. Basques. Oh, there the you Basques. go. Sweet. Vindicated. Oh, God. Oh, man. What a good. That uh, makes me feel so much better. The Basque yeah. people. Basque. I feel better, too. Because I didn't want to say Basque like Basking Shark. I didn't. I had that all. I had it totally wrong. No, there's a very large Basque population in Idaho. The largest outside of Pais Vasco in the world is... Uh, in in Idaho. Okay. Yeah. What's the bath population like? <laughs> I don't know. They're the ones that bathe. The rest yeah, of us. Right. It, it's a very clean city. So <laughs> I right. assume that, that – uh, so so what, what led you out of Silicon Valley? What was the transition into doing this stuff? Yeah. So I always kind of think it was like the beginning of Fight Club. You know, mm. where Ed Norton was like watching infomercials and was yeah. like, I am Jack's failing liver. Like that was my <laughs> – that was my soul. And uh, – I was getting ready for work, you know, one of those mornings when my alarm clock went off and you, the first thought that goes through your head is. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, I heard Nancy Cartwright on the radio, who's the voice of Bart Simpson. And uh-huh. um, she was talking about voiceover and what a great job it was. And I was like, yeah, no kidding. And she said, you guys in the Bay Area, where I lived at the time, she's mm-hmm. like, you are so lucky. You have one of the best voiceover schools in the country right here. And I was like, ring-a-ling-a-ling, hello. Uh-huh. Um, I got on the phone that day. I started taking classes that week. And two weeks later, I left my career. Wow. Two weeks later? Two years later. Two years Did later. I okay. Weeks? I don't know. Said, I heard said weeks, protege, but it would, that's all right. That's <laughs> totally pretty amazing. Um, yeah, no, two years later. And, and then my husband and I moved to Los Angeles. And it's been about five years. That's great. Still two years from zero to move yeah. away from job to do voiceovers. It wasn't amazing. terrifying at all. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure. I didn't get a lot of sideways glances at like family get-togethers. Uh-huh. You're going to yeah. do what? Um, but wow. it's worked out really well. It is interesting about VO work I, I found. And I mean, I, I started in Toledo doing on-hold messaging. <laughs> that's, you know? where I was, and that's where I was born. Were you, I really? you were be, born in Toledo? I was born in Toledo. It's a great city. I love Toledo. <laughs> so I've been told. I really, really I was about told? six weeks old. Oh, man. <laughs> you missed the best time. You could have. There were so many amazing things you could have I seen. I heard the first six weeks out. are the best six weeks. I think so <laughs> from there, I, I felt okay. Did you ever make it to Tony Pacos? <laughs> I, I don't think I did. I don't think I did. I still go back whenever I'm in the truck. Teeth at that point. No, no, no. I was uh, suckling, suckling at my mother's. A suckling. Yes. But the, uh, <laughs> the, the, the was, it's interesting to me about, about VO work and about, in particular, commercials in that, well, not only because that was kind of all that there was in that market aside from on-hold messaging, but <laughs> but if you're good at pattern recognition and if you've got a good ear, yeah. you can you can make that transition into that particular type of work. Yeah. Not necessarily immediately, but but quick enough to to like I mean, it I, I wasn't chasing it long in that market largely because there wasn't a lot of folks in that market either. <laughs> you know, but yeah. it helped it helped build that kind of so for so for a transitional time 
it wasn't epic. No, I, I, it's funny because I remember when I was a kid, um, like watching Scooby-Doo. I, mm. I have this very distinct memory of watching Scooby-Doo. And the day I realized that there were black lines around the characters, which meant that they weren't like real. Yeah. And that there was somebody behind there providing a voice. And I was like, oh, you know, it was it was like the the, the clouds parted and the, the rays from heaven came down. And I was like, I want to go to there. And then it took me like <laughs> 15 years to figure that out. So, yeah. 25 years. Because wow. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm only 20. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's it's been really fun. And I actually, um, I used to do a lot of like, you know, I, I was a Spanish major in college. I lived in Spain. And so um, I wanted to sound like a native yeah. and not be like, oh, look, there's an American trying to sound like a Spaniard. Right. Um, so I really worked at like getting the accent down, um, which has come in really handy doing voiceover. So now huh. I do a ton of sound-alikes for like celebrities for trailers and stuff like that if they're not available. I yeah. Do a ton of that because I can recognize the patterns and the – That's great. The speech. That's uh, having that sense of – you know, musicality, almost. musicality. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I do yeah. a fair amount of that stuff, too. And and like to be able to dial into that celebrity impression or get the reference and be like, I've never done this guy. Yeah. Let's see if I got it. <laughs> nope, don't. I don't. Yeah, I cannot do. I tried to do a Trump thing the other day and, and <laughs> did. And I'd done him like in a stupid corporate video years ago. But that right. it just it was. Oh, the stakes, I, the stakes are too high now. Now the right. stakes are much That's higher. That's what it is. <laughs> That's right. It's exactly. It's like we need someone who can do this. Can you do it? You're the one guy we know. But now it's like there's seven other guys who've got a great trap. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You, you, you were born in Toledo and then you moved to Cleveland and then. Well, sort of. I was born in Toledo. We moved to Cuyahoga Falls, which ah. is just outside of uh, Akron, Ohio, till I was eight. And then we moved to Minnesota, which is kind of where I call home. I mean, okay. that's where I really grew up. Mm-hmm. Um, was Stillwater, Minnesota. And I was there. I went to a teeny little private college up in Moorhead called Concordia mm-hmm. um, for four years. And then I went back to the cities for a year. And then I went back to Cleveland for grad school at Case Western why, Reserve. Why University. Case Western Reserve? Was it uh, – did you have – what was what was the, the thread that led you back to Ohio? I was looking to go to graduate school for acting mm-hmm. and – my undergrad professor said that if I picked up a copy of American Theater Magazine and sort of thumbed through it, that the schools that were advertising in there would be a good spot to start. Hmm. And I remember I was actually at a, a comedy show at the Brave New Workshop in Minneapolis, Minnesota with yeah. my dad. We were in the front row and I was flipping through American Theater. And I saw this advertisement for Case. And it said uh, that they took eight students every other year and that uh, there's a full tuition waiver plus a stipend. I mean, they pay you to go there for those three years. Wow. And I I said, oh, Dad, maybe I should go back to Cleveland. And he said, oh, yeah, they take eight every other year. Uh, go for it. Good luck, basically. <laughs> uh-huh. And I was like, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to try. Yeah. So I put it on the list uh, after researching the program a little bit more. And it was a program that actually had everything I wanted. It was huh. conservatory style. So it was really less academic and more about acting yeah. uh, straight up. And um, – I auditioned for a bunch of schools and I got into three. One was DePaul in Chicago, which uh, did not offer any tuition assistance. Hmm. And then uh, Brandeis University in Waltham, Massachusetts, which also did not offer much. And then Case, which was a full ride. And I thought, well, that seems to work <laughs> yeah. for my plans of someday being out of debt, which I haven't quite achieved, but someday. Yeah, hopefully. someday. Has anybody there? Oh, man. I, I, I don't know. It just seems... Just right when you think you get out, 
Oh man, yeah. no. So, um, but that was where where we met. Actually, that's right in, in Cleveland. When I was at Case Western uh, in Cleveland, Kiff, you came and taught. I mean, you probably taught more than one, but the one I happened to take a one-day workshop with you at Second City uh, in Cleveland when that existed for for two years. Uh, yeah, there was a training center for about a year, yep. and then it went away, and then the theater, and we did, I believe, four or five shows total. I was yeah. I, I came and did two main stage reviews yeah, there. Right, it was really short. Yeah. their run, and I I like I said to you earlier, I think I may have been there for even possibly the entirety of the run. I think it closed right after we left. But uh, at the time, I was, you know, really trying to see as much improv as I could. I was going to Cabaret Dada downtown Cleveland and to Second City in Cleveland. And um, I heard about your workshop. And and I wasn't able to take a full workshop at Second City because of the rigor of my graduate school program. So I was able to do something like a day here and a day there. During that time, I also went to Chicago and took a – uh, one day class from Mick Napier and a oh, one day great. class from Susan Messing. Like tried to get as much improv as I could at the time, but yeah. uh, it was it was tough. But yes, that is where we met a low those many years ago. Possibly last time we only time we I think it was probably the only hands. time we shook hands <laughs> Until and had a conversation. Yeah, that's absolutely so. right. And and I judged your work. And oh then, yeah, and then and then told you what to do. Yeah. How so to you, fix you guys, it. You guys have had an on-off friendship. Whereas we've, we've had, had an on-off. On-off and off. Ours is more poolside. Ours is more rum punch. Cleveland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Going there. But yeah, I, I, I will say about, about that time and in particular the improv community in Cleveland, because after the theater closed, we had moved there with the intention of doing, you know, Second City for a while. Oh, yeah, we'd be there for, I mean, I, this, we're talking now, I got to Cleveland in, in 01, August okay. of 01, and I left in May of 04 after grad school. So, so we was closed, in that time period. We closed January 04. Oh, there you go. And, uh, we went to Pickwick and Frolic. Um, and performed oh, there yeah. for a while, which was an amazing, oh, amazing club, <laughs> amazing club. And just right down on West six across from the, um, uh, the, whatever the house of blues is there now, but, mm-hmm. um, but they had heated the street. I remember that was like a big thing. They like, so when oh, it Cleveland. snowed, you could still walk down that one little path cause you oh couldn't God. drive down it. <laughs> I remember meeting Dan Aykroyd in front of the House of Blues, and he had a couple girls with him and a motorcycle. And uh, sure, yeah, that was it. And, sure. and we were standing there, me and, and Cody and Randall, who were in the cast oh, together, yeah. and 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 Nate Cockrell, and and Dan is there, and we're all like, Cody Dove, is that right? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Ooh, reach your back. Yeah, nice job. <laughs> Thank you. Pulled it right out. Um, and we see we see him, and we're like, Mr. Aykroyd, hey Dan, hey, we're Second City, we're Second City guys. And he went, did you guys know Dell? <laughs> and Randall went, uh, I studied with him once. Hell of a guy. And then, and then he vanished. And we're like, well, okay, there you go. <laughs> so there goes my great interaction with, with my hero. Einhorn? Eichhorn? Randall Einhorn? Randall Har. Oh. Okay. Randall Har. He came. <laughs> now I'm close. Now I'm complaining. There, there is a Randall Eichhorn, but he's a siding guy. Does siding <laughs> aluminum. <laughs> But uh, that's possible too. That's right. I have the entire white pages of Cleveland really and Cuyahoga, of Cuyahoga County memorized. I'm totally an outsider in this conversation. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm Come on, sissy. Here, hand me, let, me, let, me, let, me, uh, let me pour you. you so, well, Cleveland well uh, you guys, you guys worked together on the on the game Firewatch, mm-hmm. which. Uh, was actually, I, I think I tweeted both of you after reading about the magazine uh, in, in Game Informer about about uh, this game, and it's such an exciting and interesting project. What yeah. what was what was your experience b- 
both like uh, did did you work together or were you were you like Skype together or in the room together? Or how, what were your sessions like? So um, Sean Vanneman, who wrote the project, uh, wrote the game uh, and is an incredible human being. He uh, once he found his Henry. He was like, listen, this whole game is going to be dialogue and mm. I want it to be as real as possible. So um, I have a home studio already and Rich was willing to set one up. And so Rich set up a home studio and then the three of us would Skype together, each of us recording on our own on our own end and they would splice it together. Holy cow. And it was God, it's refreshing to be able to do a game like that because usually it's oh. just recorded in a vacuum. Right. You know, it's like you have like a random line that's like. I don't understand what you mean, but it could be said 15 different ways and you might have a director that reads you in and you might not. And so right. sometimes when it's put together, it's like, what the hell is she talking about? Right. Yeah, exactly. But to be able to play off one another like that um, and honestly to be able to learn a lot from hearing Rich read was just um, – it was awesome. It was such a great experience. Well, you know how – I mean <clears throat> I presume what you're referring to there is uh, because I have nothing – to offer you other than a, a delivery of a line. And I think having somebody who, who you can, I mean, that whole old saw about how acting is reacting mm -hmm. thing is having someone to react to, yeah. which is a sometimes unfortunately rare luxury in voiceover. Yes. Um, it More was, uh, it was really a, uh, uh, I think, it, I think it enhanced the game. I mean, I yeah. think it enhanced how the game sounds. By the way, uh, just because it popped in my head, Randall Einhorn was the DP on The Office and yes. also is now a comedy director in his own right. Uh, it's always sunny and things like that. Sorry, sorry. That's yeah. right. Go ahead. That's right. It's his, uh, it's his, I believe, and his second cousin who also is wow, named Randall who does good. this. Well, you are you know, good. I, I didn't realize you were talking about the director, the right, guy in right. town. Why would I be talking about that? <laughs> That's him? right. But what, because, well, because aluminum siding, obviously. Sorry, I didn't mean to change your no, no, no. that if I didn't um, say that now, I'd no, but, but <laughs> never live it down. Going back to, you know, the game and why <laughs> we're here. <laughs> um, no, what I loved too. was that, you know, so often you see just a, a standard line written and, um, you just go with the first thing that comes to your head, but hmm. you, you, you played with the lines and you brought something totally different to, to everything. And I, I love that. Even watching playthrough, being like, God, I, I love the way, even like the panties line. You know, most people would be like, oh, there's a pair of panties. But you were like, you just hear the disgust in your voice. Just, just those little nuggets. I just love that. I love that. I go back to that a lot. Well, that's kind of you to say. Um, I would say, uh, that I think it's, um, uh, neat to get to uh, look like anything. Like when you read a script and then you go to a table read, you're like, oh, that's not necessarily how I heard yeah. that in my head, but right. I'll, I'll be darned. That's pretty good. Um, I think that that is sort of – look, I, I'm really good at voiceover. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I'm amazing. <laughs> well, you know, Kiff, I don't know if you know this, but this is basically my first – big job in voiceover. Like I had done – I did a voice on L.A. Noir video yes. game. But that was because like 98 percent of the cast of Mad Men was in the game, right. L.A. Noir. So it was I, – I don't really count that. Plus it wasn't – it was less about voiceover and more about – L.A. Noir was done with all these cameras and things. Like yeah. They filmed us it's all the yeah. motion capture yeah. and all that stuff. It was like a whole thing. So this is my first sort of – this is one of – it might be the first – fully like professional job that I ever auditioned for and then got. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, I, I still am extremely new to this whole thing. I mean, I built that booth in my house now 
two years ago almost, right? Yeah, we recorded for two years. Wow. And um, it it's you know that thing has now served me well because I've gotten to do some other things, but sure. it really this is the this was like my first gig really so and awesome. so it, it was I, good and I'm 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 happy to hear that and I'm glad you're <laughs> here to talk about that too because I, I mean what's what's interesting to me about about each of you is different and it's cool that. You know, that this is your first big VO thing, but you also come from a background of theater and certainly, you know, with an on-camera experience from commercial to theatrical stuff mm-hmm. and, and comedy and all those stuff. So so to bring that skill set to this world where your proximity is five inches away from your audience's yeah. ear, yeah. you know, and someone who came from Silicon Valley and come <laughs> into the voiceover world and has worked on games before, you have that experience. So for the two of you guys to work together, together in that context and how much you learn from each other because your processes are unique and different. Mm-hmm. I, I find that really interesting. And and I'd I'd love to 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 kind of explore that a little bit yeah. too in terms of what you know what what either what challenges that you ran into in that in in that process and how you worked through them. Because I, I'm I'm assuming that a lot of the folks who listen to this particular show either listen because they're stepping into the VO world or are more established, but are just interested in the topic, you know? And, uh, so, so from that standpoint, it's kind of, it, that's one of the things that's fascinating to me about this game, you know? Well, and one of the things too that, uh, you know, we kind of made a conscious effort when when we started working was that we live like a mile away from each other here in Los Angeles. We had never met, uh-huh. um, and we chose not to. Um, yeah. So, you know, in that, I don't know if you played the game, but in the first scene where Henry arrives at the tower and, Delilah is a little drunk, and <laughs> I may or may not have been drunk during that. Um, but you know, where they, there's that awkwardness of getting to know each other. Yeah. Like that was how we got to know each other, you know, and then yeah. and we record chronologically as well. And so going through the game, you know, became a little, a little more familiar with each, each session. And, and I think we only met twice during filming. And, yeah. We, wow. we really, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I think we met at the sort of the, the game developer GDC thing yeah. in, uh-huh. San Francisco when the, it was sort of being announced in right. a way. Uh-huh. And then um, we met again here in L.A. for some sort of press stuff when that Sean came thing. to town. Yeah, yeah, we did like an interview at Bigfoot Lodge. At like 9 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, other than that, we, we really elected to, to let – and I'm not I'm not a method actor by almost any definition. But I do find if there's something simple like that where – you know, these characters don't know each other. It might not hurt. There may be then some small flavor that is naturally there. Yeah. By, by us really getting to know each other through those lines, yes. the way that the characters do, even if we're saying them 50 times, but you know, still getting to know each other through those lines. Yeah. I think it would have been a really different experience had Henry been a good friend of mine or, oh, yeah. you know, something along those lines. So yeah. I, I'm, I'm really happy with the way it worked out. Um, and again, Sean Vanneman just had all these great ideas that that worked beautifully in the game. Oh, it's yeah. so cool. <clears throat> it's so rare, like you say, to be able to play with someone and to build your relationship through the 
through the character's relationship. Yeah. You know? The other thing, too, um, and I'm totally going to grandstand here because I can. Please. But when, like, I've, got, I've gotten a lot of people that, like, tweet or, or send me a message or whatever, and they're like, I beat the game in two hours. I'm like, then you missed the entire game. Yeah. Like, yes, there's missions that you have to go on and whatever, but the whole fun of the game is the dialogue and exploring this relationship and finding the poop trowel and finding, like, <laughs> these little nuggets that, that you know, 98% of people won't hear. Yeah. So I, I'm finding a lot of people going back and playing it for, like, a third, fourth time doing different dialogue options and I had a guy come up to me after the play in New York um and sa- he he had actually seen a different play in the building but he knew I was in Barry Child so he <laughs> went to the other play and then he came and waited by our door and he said hey I am just going to tell you now I haven't seen Barry Child um <laughs> but I have played Firewatch like 3 times and he said I I just did one where like I went through and and I didn't say anything to Delilah just to like see what it does <laughs> to bastard. the relationship <laughs> and make her do all the work basically you know it may give her the silent treatment the entire time and I, I sort of love that you can you can do you know you you're still going to get from A to Z yeah. but the whole color of how you get there is is different depending on how you interact. Somebody with the wrote light. an article about that hmm. that I tweeted about and about like how how depressing it was to, huh. to huh. like kind of shun Delilah and I was like. Don't do it again. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> Come on, you guys. It's a different kind of open world sort of gaming experience that you can make emotional choices rather than mission driven or I'm going to go kill that el- or ride that elephant because you right. can't kill him in Far Cry 4. Uh, you can ride them. Uh, sorry. Uh, I, yeah. uh, Far Cry 4 is the game I've been obsessed with and primal. I, I love, I, I love playing that when I, when I feel like blowing things up. But like Noted. that, that notion of being able to, you know, from the, from the choose your own adventure books that we grew up with to being able to have that experience and really feel the emotional impact yeah. of making those choices. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, I heard Sean say in an interview and it, it kind of stuck with me that this is less far cry, if you will. Yes. And more before sunrise. Mm. You know, it's, it's more Richard Linklater exploring relationships, um, interesting conversations, philosophical, philosophical. Mm-hmm. Learning another person by their wits, you know, yeah. and a lot of people, it's it, funny The the biggest question I get is, how do you portray a character when you don't know what they look like? And I'm like, it's called voiceover. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I love that. I love yeah. that aspect of the game because so often when you're introduced particularly to a female character in games, she's got giant boobs and she's, mm. you know, gorgeous. And you're either it's either like love at first sight or like hey, you're going to be in the buddy zone, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but this one, you have to decide how you feel about her based on her character, based on her personality. And I love that. I love mm. that. You know, so if you shun her bastard <laughs> you, get, you get what you get <laughs> <laughs> you get what you get but if you right. you know if you decide to explore the relationship then then maybe it's something different and yeah. i just i love that i love that aspect of this game oh, that's great how did you how did you prepare for once let's say you go through the audition you book it like an audition um uh like you do you book uh, but how, how did you go into the preparation for the knowledge of this is going to be a two-year job. This is something we're going to really dig in, and it's a two-person thing. I mean, it's a two-hander. It's like mm-hmm. prepping to do a scene with someone for a very long two time, time for two years. <laughs> uh, I'm just I'm saying the same thing, but in multiple different ways. <laughs> just because uh, are you Trump? Yeah, you? that's right. <laughs> Trump. That's the one part of the impression that I kept was <laughs> saying the same thing, but with different emphasis. Uh, do you it's wanna, an, it's do an you old tre- teaching trip. Well, what was your experience? Um, I mean, well, first of all, I don't know that we knew going in that it would be almost two years. I uh, think 
I mean, I guess we – they had estimated – I'm trying to remember what Sean said in the beginning. I think he said somewhere in the neighborhood of eight to ten sessions, which I think it ended up being ten sessions, yeah. something like that, ten mm-hmm. eleven sessions. Um, you know, at four hours a pop, which – And a thousand pages of dialogue. Was it really? A thousand pages. A total pages thousand pages. But see, what's funny is it doesn't feel that way because we would get – you know, Sean would email us the night before, maybe the morning of, and say, here's what we're working on tomorrow. Uh, and you'd thumb through it and you'd be like, okay, well. Yeah. And and I don't know how you prepared. I I read it in the moment. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, it was just sort of yeah. – because, you you know, you, I, we, we would always – you know, if it was a long passage, we'd take a second, kind of read it and be, kind of get it, suss out where we're headed. But so much of it, you had to have Sean kind of breaking down because it would be these story trees, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you'd uh. go down one path and then he'd say, okay, there are four ways they could respond. It's these four right. responses. So you'd, but then each of those chases a new, a new tale as well. So it's sort of an interesting, uh, or like what's the tension? Like, is this, is this lighthearted? Are you right. in the middle of the mystery? And, you know, yeah, yeah. He would kind of say, well, this is, we're going back to when, you know, it's before you guys had this conversation. So she doesn't know this about you yet. And you should, you know, nobody's angry at each other. Okay. Great. You know, so there wasn't, I don't know that pre- preparing was, really a thing it was just being really it was more like improv in a lot of ways Hmm. because you had to uh you had to be open to responding to something in a myriad ways Mm -hmm. right and having all of those feel truthful yeah whether it's uh met with a joke or met with uh, hard sarcasm or met with a sort of one word terse answer mm. or whatever. You have to fill all of those, imbue all of those with a little truth of whatever the situation is. So they both have to be uh, super specific and kind of vague for those moments where sometimes there are two ways to get to one uh, response. And so you have to sort of leave it open enough that it could. I mean, it really was more interpretive and less. Uh, there was not a lot of prep work for me. Yeah. I mean, it was just sort of in the moment trying to respond honestly. Why don't you yeah. talk about your audition process? Because it was kind of interesting. Well, mine mine was was that I, I – somebody reached out to me on Twitter who worked at the Campo Santo offices. And we had exchanged tweets before about board games. Uh-huh. And so I happened to follow him anyway. And he, he just sent me a DM saying, hey, we're doing this new game, Firewatch. And it happened to come at a time I had just – uh, Mad Men was wrapping up, yeah. and in preparation for Mad Men to wrap up, I bought myself the gift of an eight-week uh, animation VO workshop with Bob Bergen. Oh, great! And, like did this, you know, d- really dove in, and it was it had been really fun. But I was now just at the end of that, and was you know I had a VO agent, I had had done a couple auditions, but this is one I, video games was one of the things I really wanted to try for. Mm. So I, you know. I try not to get all sort of anxious about <laughs> auditions and I'm pretty good at it. I do a lot of auditions. I don't get that anxious. Yeah. This was like, oh, man, mm-hmm. I really want this one to work. <laughs> so, yeah. so I think too, um, I'm just going to interject. Yep, please. Can. Um, they had gone through like 10 to 12 other guys. They, they had listened to so many different people. They were trying to find their Henry. And one of the guys that Sean had written as like a, a, a touchstone in the specs was Harry Crane. Uh. And so when he told me that Rich was auditioning, I was like, huh, OK, well, that's cool. Let's see if he actually like right. takes it. Yeah, that was <laughs> when, early on that when when they reached out to me originally, they said, you know, this was written sort of that Harry Crane was one, which is my character on Mad Men, yeah. was one of the sort of notions in their head, as was Louis C.K., which 
you know, if, I, while I don't sound a lot like Louis C.K., we do have a similar sort of dry cadence, a dry yeah. dryness to our mm-hmm. wit a little bit and, and a similar cadence. Uh, by the way, that's, again, once more, not me comparing myself to Louis C.K. in any way <laughs> you know other what? than a slight tonal quality. This is, this is the good thing about being a host. Rich, I don't know if anyone has ever told you how much you favor Louis C.K. <laughs> not, and, and I don't mean necessarily, oh, uh, but I mean just in terms of tonality. Sure. So uh, take, take that as a compliment. Thanks. And if you ever want to yeah. use that in some context, please feel free. <laughs> great, great. Well, and for me, um, I had worked with Sean and Jake who founded Campo Santo on The Walking Dead. Uh, oh, the, they were the Walking Dead guys. Yeah, so they used to be at Telltale. Okay. Sean wrote um, season one of The Walking Dead, which won 90 Game oh, of the Year awards. It was an and amazing. made everybody cry. Yeah. Um, so I worked with him on that. I was several different characters in that um Chiefly, universe. though, Katja, right? Ch- chiefly Katja. Chiefly Katja. Yeah. Katja. Who's the, the Belgian uh, married to Kenny. Uh, yes. Which, by the way, I had played through The Walking Dead <laughs> in getting ready for Firewatch. We spoke, and then I remembered that Sean had said you were a character, and I just sort of forgot it as I was playing. And then later, when you guys reminded <laughs> me who you were, I was like, oh, my God. Like, you're really good at this, is the thing. <laughs> and that was my first job. Like, oh, Firewatch wow. was really? your first job. Kachi was my first job. That's awesome. So Sean called me three years ago, and he was like, hey – um, I left Telltale. Jake and I started our own company. I loved what you did on The Walking Dead. I'm writing a new game with a female protagonist. Are you in? And I was like, yes. Oh, my God. That's amazing. I mean, that doesn't happen. No. And um, I just – I knew any chance to work with those guys again, I will yeah. jump in head first. I and... got to do a couple days on season two yeah. of Walking Dead. I played Walter on that. Nice. And And uh, just, just that – what was fascinating about working uh, with with – in that process was that they gave you what they had recorded already and, and gave you something to react off of rather than just a spreadsheet. So I, they had some of what Melissa had already recorded. So good. God, she's so good. So to be able to, the the most awesome human being on the planet. I'm just putting it out there. That's great. Um, I'm, and I'm actually working with them again on the Michonne series. Awesome. um, As Norma. So it's kind of nice to come back to the universe. Yeah, no doubt. (laughs) That's great. But yeah, so uh so yeah, once that got squared away, we f- we found our Henry and then um we just jumped in and it was fun. It was really fun. And then uh I mean, we started pretty quickly after yeah, yeah. cuz I I Sean just sent me a page of copy and I just read it. Uh-huh. Uh I think two different times with just slight variants and then sent it to him and Oh my god, he was like was a kid in a can- he was quick. so happy. It happened he called very me, quickly. He's like, we found our Henry. <laughs> Summer signed on. Oh my That's god, so I found awesome. Like he was, I was like, I could see him like jumping up and down. It was so cute. <laughs> but yeah, they were they were really really stoked and with good reason. Well, it was uh, you know, and I remember you saying that you were a little wary uh, <laughs> because this guy from a TV show was coming in. I mean, you never know. You know, like you said, mm. you hadn't done voiceover. Yeah, absolutely. It's really I don't blame transition. you. Transition. Yeah. Know? Some people can't pull it off, but you did obviously by. Just reading the reviews and and everything else, like yeah. I did. <laughs> slow clap here. Thank it's you. Finally, finally. <laughs> I think it certainly point. helped that I was, you know, if that it, truly, if this had, if we'd been one year off, if this had been one year earlier that they had gotten a hold of me, I would have auditioned and tried. But I don't know. I think there was something about having just finished Bob's yeah. animation class, and while this isn't, mm-hmm. you know, the the voice of Henry is. Uh, Quite similar to the voice of Rich Summer, <laughs> um, uh, it was. It, it wasn't like I was having to do anything big in that way. It was just maybe having had 
eight weeks behind a mic with yes. somebody directing me, responding to a director, and sometimes having him go, that's not what I said. I said this. You know, oh, I see. So listening to it, you know, and I've worked with directors for years now, but there's something specific about a VO director because they're not, you know, you, you, you're limited in how you can respond to a direction. Mm. You know, you're limited in how you can make a character orally react to something, respond to something. And so it, it, which is simple, I suppose, but it's less simple for someone like me where I have made a career so far of playing pretty, uh, low key dudes. Hmm. And, uh, you know, on Mad Men where a, you know, a response to a very serious event might be literally a tiny raise of the eyebrows, which mm. can be have like catastrophic emotional weight. Right. You know, Don, perhaps just blinking slower than he normally would, can end a season. So like that's <laughs> yeah. that, you know, coming from that and having to rejigger how you in, uh, respond to things was kind of the most exciting part of it for me. Oh, that's great. And Bob is marvelous. Uh, he's amazing. I mean, he's he's the best. I studied with him back in Chicago, and and just I mean, just a marvelous immersion. He's been into, around for a million years, and yeah. he's so smart, and he's he he wants you to succeed. Yes, mm -hmm. and I mean, he's a competitive dude, but it's not about competing with you. It's about competing with himself. I mean, yeah. he wants to do the best that he can, and will still not pull any thing away from trying to help you do the best that you can do. I mean, he is just I find that with a lot of voiceover people. I love voiceover It is a giving people. community. Oh, I genu yeah, genuinely people. have found that. Yeah. It's yeah. a it's a funny community, I have to say, because like a lot of them, <laughs> and you're not, you have not been like this, but I have gotten to know a few over the past couple of years, and it is funny because you don't always recognize them by face yeah. there's sometimes a little bit of like well uh, you know uh, i was working on this thing and i did this and uh obviously right? <laughs> i had met so and so when i was doing this other thing and you're like oh, okay well uh that's not a thing i normally am used to but okay right. yeah you tell me everything i'm i'm interested yeah. Yeah. but but that said everyone has been remarkably generous i right after i finished that vo class i had had the fortune of meeting a couple of vo people throughout uh, the years of Mad Men, just sort of because some people watch Mad Men, and one of them was Maurice Lamarche, who, oh, Maurice. Uh, you know, we had so we had good. we yeah. sat near each other at the Emmys one year and kind of hit it off and started making fun of each other and whatever. And uh, right when I finished Bob's class again, and we were about to start Firewatch, I said, Mar Maurice, can we go out to sushi and just? I I'm not looking for uh, a leg up. I'm not looking for you to help like in that way. I just want to sort of hear your stories about huh. the business just to kind of get an idea of what I was in for. And I called Seth Green and said, would it be cool if I just came and watched you guys record? So I went yeah. and sat uh, and watched them record uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles one day. And he took me around the stupid buddy uh, studios where they do robot chicken. Oh, and we so just, awesome. just to like, just to, to see what it is. Yeah. I wasn't asking these people for a job. And I think that they knew that I would made that very clear. I was yes. like, I'm not asking you for work. I am asking you because I'm so new to this. Yeah. And so I think getting to see a couple of, of studios and yeah. getting to see certain people directing and certain people working, it, it, it really helped me to feel more comfortable as we got yeah. in. There's a real value to demystifying that stuff. And Absolutely. Just that sense of feeling like, oh, this is something that people do. Yeah. And maybe... And, and, and I can do it and it's yeah. accessible and it, and it's, you know, and this is like even little stuff like this is what my voice sounds like in a microphone in yeah. headphones. Yeah. It's a thing. And that people want, I mean, this, this, you know, someone listening might think like, 
you know, maybe I have a different type of access. And sometimes I do because of Mad Men, you know, whatever. Like I, I you know, getting to go and watch, I, I've watched The Simpsons record a couple well, times. Like just, Simpsons. I was on The Simpsons once, but, awesome. but beyond that, like getting to, I, I had watched them first. Oh, awesome. I had watched them first. And so, but that said, there are these, these people, uh, this community is more helpful in that stuff. Like at the very least, you can write a tweet to Maurice LaMarche and you will get a response or yeah. Rob Paulson or any of these people. Like you can yeah. write to them and they will write back to you. And it's kind of amazing. I mean, they want, they want you to, to understand, like you said, demystify the whole thing. I mean, that's, that's unique, I think. To this part of this business, this show business, it yeah. isn't necessarily like that on camera. Some people are. Some people are accessible on camera, on stage and all that stuff. But these guys, uh, it's a well, different I think, thing. I yeah. think if you do a lot of on camera, there's just you, – you have to naturally be a lot more guarded. I mean mm. – Yeah, sure. people can, can comment on anything that yeah. has nothing to do with your acting. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, uh, which is I think really unfair about a lot of social media stuff. Hmm. Um but yeah, no, most most people in the VO community are super giving, and and they want to help you find your path. Yeah, yeah. you know, um, I get a lot of people that are like, I have a great voice. People always tell me I should do voiceover and make some extra cash, and I'm like, <laughs> it's not about your voice. <laughs> mm-hmm. Also, uh, when I first started five years ago, the ratio of auditions to booking was like 150 auditions to one booking for a union commercial. Yeah. So. Wrap your head around that and tell me it's just for extra cash. Right, right. <laughs> and that exactly. was five years ago. Right. So yeah. Um, oh, and, and that's now, and, that's a, and that's a and... regional radio spot. No, that's a national union. That's national union. Mm-hmm. That was, but again, five years ago, it's gotten much more competitive. You know, oh, for sure, man. Yeah. Um, fun Maurice Lamarche story. I you may remember me from such games as um, <laughs> I. I actually did a game with him um, for the Batman Arkham Knight DLC. Oh yeah. Mm. Um, I played Nora Freeze. He was Dr. Freeze. And we got to record in the same studio. Oh, wow. That's awesome. I was like, how do I not wet myself right now? <laughs> that guy, he's, he's a total so stud. Good. I mean, so he's gracious. so good. And yeah. such a nice guy. Such, such a, a nice guy. And he's been, I mean, you know, this guy's been a part of our consciousness forever. forever. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have been hearing him since you had a speaker in your house. Right. Yes. And it's amazing. Possibly you've been, you've in been, utero. And, yes. That's right. In utero. <laughs> and And imitating him. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, mm-hmm. same absolutely. with like Paulson and, yeah. and Jess Harnell and some of these other yeah, folks. Oh, absolutely. Like, you know, yeah. uh, it's funny. It's really his awesome. character on Futurama is named Kiff. And we were at, <laughs> we were at, uh, at Juice in Santa Monica. And uh, they're like, Kiff, we're ready for you. And he was like, what? What's going on? And I was like, oh, thanks. He's like, wait, 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 wait. What's your name? I was like, my name's Kiff. He's like, that's my character. Ah! <laughs> and, and we've been friends on – he was one of my first, like, Twitter people. Amazing. And, and you know, the, the, I, just, to, just to jump on what you've been saying about the VO community, I do feel it's one of the most generous God, and, and embracing and supportive communities. And there is that sense, even in the room, before you go into audition – Mm-hmm. That that we're all going in for the same, the same thing, job. and you know we're all doing a group, and it's male and female for Home Depot. Who knows what's going to happen? But there's no vibing, there's no yeah. like weird energy, there's none of that. We all can go home. I just booked that. Yeah, yeah. No. Uh, but, if, but if I don't book it, like God, I want my friends to book it. Absolutely. There's nothing that makes me happier than hearing like one of my good friends just booked a national, like the voice of a national brand, and I'm so effing proud of her because she's oh, been working awesome. her butt off. And it's something I auditioned for, but like I, I, she's been working so hard and I'm so proud of her. Like, I, yeah, I love that. I love that about this community. 
I am everything that embodies the joy of the voiceover community, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me. Uh, this is. Uh, let me sh- uh, take a quick moment to uh, to share a very uh, popular feature from the show. It's a pro tip, uh, courtesy of our friends at Bookable VO. Here's Rick Wasserman. Uh, Rick Wasserman Rick. and uh, and Greg. Uh, here it is. Hey, this is Greg Chun from Bookable Voiceover Coaching and Demos. Here's a quick tip for beginners. One of the single biggest mistakes that someone new to voiceover makes is that they focus on how skilled they are at changing their voice. Oh, I'm great at doing voices, you'll hear them say. I do great voices. Now, while the ability to affect your voice is definitely a great tool that will come in handy, focusing on that and leading with that as the main thing you bring to the table as a voice actor gets you off on the wrong foot. First and foremost, it's got to be about the performance, the acting. After you've gotten to the heart of a performance, then putting on a voice is great. It's the icing on the cake. But it's the acting that makes the difference between a read that sounds like a real persona that's been brought to life and a read that sounds like someone standing in front of a mic doing a voice. So for those of you who are still in the I Do Funny Voices camp, stop trying to do voices. As you read each line of a script, stop thinking about how you sound and instead think about how you feel. Awesome. Thank you, Greg, and Bookable VO. And if you're interested in uh, getting more info, check out BookableVO.com. Mm-hmm. Awesome. We were just talking about – that's Rick Wasserman uh, is one of the guys from that, and he was the the uh, the, the promo voice for – The voice of the, AMC. The voice of AMC. He told me what that when he would do that promo, when he would do that promo, he'd, he'd put his arm on the wall in his booth – and then hold a pretend to hold a glass of scotch totally. and stir it with his finger. Oh, totally. That's and then the, the look, then, then he would see his lover and lean in and the tip of the microphone was his lover's ear and he would say, tonight on Mad Men. And that's it was like amazing. that. It was, it was such it's a tricks, cool man. insight, right? But here's, here's the secret sauce, guys. I'm going to spill it all, all for right, you. All right. Spill it. The magic of voiceover is the ability to say something interestingly and believably. And that's it. So if you can say something like Mad Men about a show that is sexy and is, you know, current and like you want to have a glass of scotch while you're watching the show, yeah. why not? But make it believable. But make right. it believable. Yeah. Have that glass of scotch when you're talking to someone sexy. Right. Boom. That's actually what Greg was just saying, that pro tip I was listening to it, where he was saying, you know, there's there uh, the notion of, sure, it's fine if you can change your voice and make all these wacky voices, but chiefly it has to be well acted. And I think that, that without that, it doesn't. You know, th- th- there's no point. You can you can show me all these neat voices you can do. Uh, you can come into an on-camera audition and show me. Well, I can put a mustache on. I can take a mustache <laughs> off. I can put a sideburns on. I can brush my hair this way. I can brush my hair that way. I can be a fireman. That's funny. That yeah, I can, look, I can put a fireman. That's the whatever. best example I mean, of that I've ever heard. Yeah, look, remember that Tex Avery cartoon with the guy who's inside the TV? I have a bag of tricks. There's a big nose. But if you can't act, but if you can't, doesn't act. matter. That's Boom. right. Yep. Yeah. Oh I man, that. that's kind of it's been. Of, of advice that has been requested from people over the years of how do I get into this thing? It's like, you know, your, your yeah. acting skill is, is important. You need to nurture that. Go take an acting class, figuring out, you know, that kind of stuff. I would also like to add to that. Yeah. Acting obviously is the number one thing of being able to do this business. Also know what it means to run your own business. Because you are your own marketing. You are your own sales. If if you don't have payment from a session that was last June, it's on you to figure that out. Huh. No one else is going to keep track of it for you. So yeah. know what that means seriously before you start trying to be an actor. <laughs> How do you – as someone who spent my time in prep for living this 
this career uh, learning how to be an actor rather than taking the necessary business courses. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm doing all right, but I'm but like what what steps can someone who's making this career I'm saying this so completely backwards. <laughs> so for a not for, for an actor learning how to do business stuff. Uh, what's the, what do you think is the best way to learn that as someone who studied? Cause you have a, I have a business of, degree. A business yeah. degree. Um, I would say there are two aspects to it. There is the, um, the hard numbers mm. and then there's also the social ability of it. So number one, don't be a dick, right? Yeah. I'm just, I'm just throwing that out there. Yep. It's a small business. It's a small industry. Everybody knows everybody. If you are a fantastic actor, a voice actor, and you have a terrible attitude, you'll probably work for a couple of years and that's it, hmm. period. Uh, I've seen it happen to a couple of people in my short stint in this business, and um, it, it's, it's, a, it's a common thread. The other thing I would say is understand what the numbers mean. What, how many auditions are you going to have to do before you start booking? If you do that number of auditions and you're not booking, you need to take a good check and see what's going on. Maybe you need to go take an acting class with Bob Bergen or you know find yeah. another coach or whatever. Um, but also, you know, uh, look at your ROI, look at your return on investment. If there's a certain coach that you're working with and you've been working with them for a couple of years and nothing's changed, change coaches. Yeah. Um, you know, Dave Walsh, who is someone that we both know, yeah. uh, I started working with him and out the gate, I was booking promos and, uh, narration and all this stuff. And I was like, okay, well, that is money well spent. You know, mm. I guess understanding what that means, um, and also, <laughs> Are you going to break even this year? Are you going to make insurance this year? You know, right. do you have a family to support? Does that mean you need to get a second job or, you know? Oh my God. How do you spell Walsh? <laughs> <W-A-L-S-H>. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's amazing. Um, but you know, I, I, a lot of it is, is common sense, but I think it's just putting the common sense together with, hmm. um, you know, creative types who tend to, to kind of fly off the handle about certain things. You need to, you need to stay grounded somewhere. Hmm. Um, now I'm babbling. No, that's all right. <laughs> what, what, what's, how do you, how do you maintain that, that, the, the groundedness? What, what, what grounds you? Is it family? I know for me, that's part of yeah. it. And I can say, you know, it's Sherry and Ilsa and my life and my family and all those things. And they are grounding, but often I also feel the stress of, I'm trying to keep my family unit together and I'm the primary breadwinner and, yeah, and this is an uncertain career. Um, yes. And also, you know, for me, I've done the nine to five. I've mm. worked retail nine to nine, I should say, in the Silicon Valley. Yeah. Um, you know, I, if I, if this doesn't work out, I'm going to be bagging groceries at Trader Joe's. So there's, there's the essence of like, do this, make money, support your family, have fun, but have fun. Mm. Cause I mean, you know, after this, I get to go be a, an alien shooting lasers out of my nostrils at somebody. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. This is a job. This is yeah. a job. People get to do this and make money. Oh yeah. my God. I'm so lucky. I love this. Anyway, that's my grounding. Rich? <laughs> How is your grounding? Well, I, I, I think of grounding in a slightly different way, but in, in the notion of, uh, you know, people who are, who I would call not grounded are people who maybe let this stuff, uh, whether it's voiceover, whether it's acting, whether any sort of success, um, dictate their personality. Hmm. And yeah. I think that um, what I would say is having, you know, struggled a lot in this career and having had moments of success in this career, uh, 
what doesn't change is that you have to come home and like go to bed and stuff yeah. uh, in the same place and <laughs> yeah. like do you know and talk to your I have a wife and kids like I talk to the same people you know, when I come home and they don't uh, care. Um, <laughs> how fancy uh, a, of a person I just was talking to. Like they don't yeah, care. Yeah. And so it – for me, it's simply noting that everyone else in this business is doing exactly what you're trying to do mm. and the – you know, uh, uh, coming at it sideways, I my first extracurricular audition was for the theater in the round in Minneapolis, Minnesota. I was 17 years old. And I was auditioning for a play. And I uh, got in there and I note I recognized a guy who was a comedy sports guy, an improv guy from Minneapolis. Mm -hmm. And I sort of said, oh, I've watched you do improv. And he said, uh, what are you auditioning? What part are you auditioning for? And I showed him the part and he's like, huh, you're a little young for that. Um, are you uh, – what, what monologue are you doing? And I showed him a monologue. He said, we well, have it written down here. Are you memorized? And I was like, well – uh, no. And he was like, you got you, if you're going to do this, you got to be memorized. And I was like, uh, okay. I mean, completely obliterated me in the yeah. room, <laughs> just yeah. destroyed my confidence, whatever. And then I went in there, laid a giant egg. And of course <laughs> could barely set foot in that theater again my whole life. Yeah. But I, I think it's, you know, it's maintained, keeping in mind that while you are this thing is important to you. It's important to a lot of people for them for different reasons. And I think that it doesn't, you know, it does, it, there's just nothing to be gained from, uh, being a jerk. And I yeah. think that I found quickly the type of person I try to carry myself as in that I want to carry myself as in this business. Um, and that's, you know, and, and it, it, it bleeds out into my representation. Mm. I have had the same manager since I did my grad school showcase in 2004, wow. chiefly because no one is ever scared to hear from him. If they see him calling, they're like, oh, it's Harris. They, they're like, oh, that's nice. Whereas I've had agents in the years where people have said, I saw your agent calling today and I was like, ugh. And wow. I said, oh, that's a problem. I don't mm. – then I that, then I talk to that agent and either that gets fixed or they're not my agent anymore. Yeah. And I, I, I've had – there have been periods of three or so years where I didn't have an agent because I I don't like that type of – I don't want that leading me into a room, preceding yep. me into a room. Yeah. I want them to be happy I'm coming and, yeah. you know, I, I think that that's important. So for me, that that whole notion of staying grounded is simply – Remembering that people like to be treated well and uh, there's nothing to be gained from not treating them well. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. And and true. And, yeah. uh, and and a great – I think, you know, it's, it's, it's cool that, that, that I think ultimately what, what I want to do in this business is just kind of have fun and enjoy being around interesting people and – and encourage people who are coming behind, you know, the way I was encouraged by the people <laughs> who came ahead. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, it's just, it's, I don't know, it's cool to hear that notion and variations on that notion expressed by you guys as well. And, and it's, it's, I mean, it's one of the joys of doing this thing is that, you don't always get to be reminded of that from time yeah. to time. Sure. You know what I mean? Because it is so much about, Diving into copy and getting and turning around or getting someplace else to be able to sit and just reflect on what what ultimately 
the the grounding force of just trying to make things a little bit better and being mm-hmm. being a good representative of humanity. You know what I mean? Well, and I think there's always somebody who's going to try to cut you down. You know, I, sure. I, had, I had someone in my early training as well who tried to pull that with me. And it was a great learning experience because mm-hmm. I, I had a similar situation. It wasn't a, a play, but it was, you know, a voiceover thing. And I, I, I fell flat on my face. Um, and it was pretty widely publicized in my little group of, of mm-hmm. people that I knew up there. But that's the one I take. I stick in the back of my head and go, yep, I let her get to me. And that's on me. Mm-hmm. Next. Huh. You know, and yeah. just just move on because life's too short. It's too short, and I I love this too much to to let somebody's opinion like that wreck me. That that stuff, that confidence stuff is deep, man. When when someone attacks that, when someone hits your tree of confidence with a hatchet, it's really yeah. It, it that that happened to me right when I moved here from from elsewhere, and it it messed with me. And I was like, why why yeah why for what purpose? So when I first moved to L.A. and I was auditioning with my, my agent, Dean Panero at Abrams, who I love, um, I wanted it so bad. Oh, I wanted a book so bad. I just moved my family here and my husband was still commuting to San Jose and and it was on me you know, to, to make this yeah. move worth it. And my agent called me up one day and he said, sissy. I smell it in your slate. I smell uh, the desperation in your uh, slate. And if I can smell it, they can Sissy smell Jones. it. Yeah. Sissy Jones. Like, Sissy Jones. <laughs> he was like, knock it the F off. Just say your name and go into the copy. You're good. Mm. You deserve to be here. Go. And that's what it took. Mm. It was it was that little boost of confidence from someone that I admired and respected to say, listen, stop it. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and that, that's what it took. That's great. Yeah. There was something I overheard Bill Holmes say in a conversation on a podcast about um, just just speaking off of that confidence element of uh, of people freaking out about copy that way that where they where the copy doesn't necessarily align necessarily align to the to who they are. Mm-hmm. So let's say I get a, a McDonald's spot, for example, that says that they're looking for a young male 20 to 30 <laughs> and that be someone who's over 30 go uh i'm sorry there must have been some mistake i'm outside of the specs and and <laughs> said no voice actor right ever. said no voice actor ever said uh female 70 black can i read for this i just saw it on the stool because i got a black woman voice i can do it's sort of a sicily tyson i've been preparing it's uh but but bill's comment was relax someone added it up that you should get a copy mm-hmm. of that piece of copy Mm -hmm. so just take confidence in that and read it every now and then i get specs that's like we want a man 35 to 60 voice of god blah 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 and my agent will just throw me in just 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 to see why not sometimes i book them yeah sometimes i don't but you know it's just just to shake it up a little bit that's right because why not otherwise i could put on my golden pipes and we go (laughs) in a world it doesn't work it's already taken (laughs) Oh, man. You guys, this has been uh, the fastest hour ever. Has it been um, an hour? Yeah. Wow. Yes. Yeah. So, so uh, Rich, how can people find you on social media if they want to follow you and tweet at you and chirp at you and look I at am, your family photos? I am. Okay. Uh, <laughs> that got sorry, awkward. Family photos, just stop me on the street. If I have my phone with me, I guess I'll show you. Uh, but for other things, Twitter, I am just at my name, Rich Summer, R-I-C-H-S-O-M-M-E-R. I'm there. And if you want to talk about board games, which I usually will talk about, mm. I, have, I, have a, I have a second Twitter, Ooh. which is Cardboard Cast. Uh, I have a little thing for board games. And I used to have a board game podcast 
but I still use the the <laughs> board game podcast <laughs> handle. Hey, sissy, <laughs> how can people find you? <clears throat> How could people? Well, hang on. What what Uh-oh. what is it? No, I'm curious. What what is it about board games that that you love? Uh, oh, that's a that's a whole other. That's a whole uh, other. That's a whole yeah. other hour. I um, there's a lot about them that I love, but chiefly that you can sit down around a table uh, across from people that are human beings and yeah. look at them while they and you know you agree to the rules on this little piece of paper for a little while and uh, it just I sort of think it's lovely. Um, mm-hmm. You you sort of decide. We're going to pretend for an hour that the only way we interact is by pushing this thing uh, one to two spaces orthogonally, not diagonally, or whatever. Like, you know, <laughs> I love that. I sort of love that. That I think there's something beautiful in that. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome. Sissy, how can people find you? Uh, I'm on the Twitters at Sissy Speaks, and uh, I'd love to hear from people. I have a Facebook page, but I don't do much with it. So yeah, I hear you. I'm, my Facebook page is becoming more and more about these are here is my wife and my child. And yeah, here's here's a Taekwondo video. So my uh, when I was in the Silicon Valley, I worked for net in a network security company. So there are no pictures of my kids. On really? That, ever? All right. No. So now, all right. Now I'm making Facebook <laughs> different. <laughs> I'm just saying as well. <laughs> you guys, this was just fantastic. Thank you so much for joining me on the show. Thank I hope you. you guys had a good time. And yeah. um, and uh, if you don't already play Firewatch, check it out. If you don't already play The Walking Dead or watch Mad Men or do other, what other things do you guys have coming up that you would like to mention or share with people that are or that you can talk about because there may be things that you can't. Um, I, there's a movie that's still out now called Hello, My Name is Doris. That's, oh, yeah. Uh, Sally Field. Field. Uh, is in that I am uh, less in than her, but still in. <laughs> uh, and uh, the show Love that's on Netflix, I did an episode of that that uh, I might – don't know if I'm – maybe going to do more. Well, hopefully. We'll see. And maybe. the John Oliver segment. I and mean, the, I did on. do the John Oliver segment a couple <laughs> awesome. weeks ago. That was very fun. So Fantastic. that's so most of where you can find me is stuff that already happened. <laughs> so uh, nothing, nothing new to report, Kip. Okay. Back Just, to you. Thank you very much, Rich. And now we're turning to Susie with uh, Susie. 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 Where's Susie? I don't know. Susie. Uh, Susie. Hi. I'm a 70-year-old black lady. See? He's got it. I set myself up. Thank you, Susie, for that report and for simply introducing yourself to our audience. Sissy, what you got going on? How's um, well, uh, Adrift just released last week, which is oh, the yeah. uh, the Lost in Space title for Oculus Rift. And I'm the playable character in that and a side character. Um, I've got a bunch of video games coming out that I can't talk about. Yeah. Um, and if you listen real closely on the Huntsman trailers, oh. you'll hear me as Charlize Theron. Right. Oh. Nice job. Really? The Huntsman. Nice job. PG-13. April yeah. 22nd. I love voice matching. God bless it's it. It's so, so crazy and fun. God bless it. I do mostly Vince Vaughn. That's kind of what's where I end up doing. I, I, I've been doing fun. a ton of Charlize. That's great. I hope she keeps making movies. I hope she keeps Charlize, making movies. Charlize, if you're listening, please keep making movies. <laughs> she, she was just about to hang up her hat. <laughs> and she was ha- having to be listening to this podcast because she That's does right. every week. That's right. Every week. Uh, this is the 21st uh, episode. Is that right? Yeah, 21st that, yeah, she's episode. Like, I've been she here is, for she's already liked time fan. She's first time caller. That's right. <laughs> That's right. And she was about to hang it up. But look at you. You just rescued uh, millions of moviegoers. Thank you. Huzzah. Thank you very much. Keep this, keep this going. Uh, and uh, if you get an opportunity, if you haven't seen Batman versus Superman, please go check it out and yeah. look for, for me as a cop, which Ow. is fun. And uh, oh, also, I keep forgetting to mention this uh, uh, to the listeners. Please check out alloververvoiceover.com. On the website, there is an active blog, and you can sign up for updates when 
I sit down and type another blog. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so please feel free to check that out. And thank you again so much to Bookable Voice Coaching and Demos uh, for sponsoring the show. You can find them at bookablevo.com. And you can find me right here next week with an all-new episode of All Over VoiceOver with Kip VH. Peace. Thanks. This has been All Over VoiceOver with Kip VH. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please go to iTunes and give us a positive rating. It truly helps. Follow me on Twitter at KiffVH or on Instagram at KiffVH or on Vero at KiffVH. Thanks so much for listening. Talk to you soon. Claim victory and depart the field. Werewolf? Yeah.